Our Lord has raised or saved by his grace his own and brought us who know him through the reality of the cross and redemption and the wonders of a divine love that sent the Savior into this world to save us. He gave us his light. The Lord Jesus who says, I am the light of the world. And then we're taught that we are to live unto him in separation from the world in its fallen condition and live new lives in Christ. We're not taken out of the world. We are actually to be in it and we are to be vessels for God's glory toward the world itself even. And so <clears throat> as... Uh, we considered that this past Wednesday evening. Uh, I was drawn in my thoughts and my heart and my prayers to this passage in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, and of course you recognize this is the Sermon on the Mount. There are things in my childhood, I'm sure in yours as well, I wish I didn't have to remember difficult things, hard things. Not things that were done to me, but things that I did, even as a child. Things that are difficult sometimes now to consider. Things of which, as the Apostle Paul would teach, we're now ashamed. I'm sure you have that too. And yet there are things that I'm thankful to remember. Of course, I've told you before, of course, I made the first application when I was pre-conversion. I wasn't saved yet, but I had the blessing of being put into a church and a place where the word of God was proclaimed and the Sunday school teachers led us to the scriptures and to memorize the scriptures. I can't remember the Sunday school teacher's name. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what he looked like. I can't remember that. Of course, I was a very small child. But I can remember the verses and the passages that were given me to memorize. And, of course, it was thrilling to my soul when I memorized Psalm 100. In the last verse, the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Of course, I had a Bible that was purchased for me as a child, and it had those red letters, you know, <laughs> Red letters uh, of Christ speaking. Well, since I've come to realize, I have a Bible that has all black letters because it's all the Word of God. And uh, somehow, of course, I got in my mind, well, this is more important <laughs> than the rest of the Scriptures. And I think that can be a danger, especially for a child. And so I would read. And I, the first thing I remember reading was the Sermon on the Mount. It had almost all red letters, except where it started and where it ended. And so, uh, <clears throat> but I didn't understand it, and there was no way I could apply it. And the only way you and I can apply it is by the work of God's grace in us and through the enablement of his Holy Spirit, not by mere determination. So, <clears throat> we look into Matthew chapter 5, and I believe this should be pressed upon us in verses 13 through 16. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. That's a solemn thing our Lord says that's a solemn thing incredibly solemn that says if one professes to know God to know Christ if they would appear for a while to live unto him and even affect those around them but then lose that savor once salt loses its savor it's never regained it never regained. Of course, this is speaking of being 
that which retards the corruption in the world. And God's people have done that. And I was thinking of the Reformation in the 16th century and what God brought about. And the churches of the Reformation, they were used mightily of God for 400 years. Now they're an empty shell of what they were, denying what came about in the 16th century. And it's a solemn thing. Now, they're compromising with every perversion that's being set forth in our day. And it's a solemn thing. Claiming it love. But it's not love when you confirm people in that which is destroying them. It's love when you tell them that which will deliver them. And you and I have that responsibility. But we're going to center our attention particularly on the next two verses, but I'll read through verse 16. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But again, we want to look particularly at these two verses in verses 14 and 15. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on an hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light under all that are in the house. Now, when you read these words, think about how incredible they are. These are incredible words. This is an incredible saying and teaching of our Lord. In a few words, in just a few words, our Lord can say more than all the philosophers and all the humanitarians and all of the scientists and all of the thinkers of the world could know and put in a thousand volumes. He's not talking about the elite of this world. He's not talking about the major players on the world stage. He's not talking about the leaders of great religions. He's talking to and about those the world would never consider important at all. The ye to whom he speaks. Not only the first ones who heard his words. Not only first century Christians. Not only apostles and preachers. But ye. You who ever truly believe and know him. You who are indeed in his kingdom. Having been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. Everyday Christians, ye are the light of the world. Is not that an incredible statement? Ye, normal, everyday Christians, ye are the light of the world. I find that to be an incredible statement. Do you think that your position in this world where the providence of God has placed you is unimportant. As you go about your daily tasks, many of them at times mundane, some very pressing. You go about the normal activities of work, of leisure, of taking care of your family, of shopping and the like. Do you think that these but put you in the category of the common, unimportant in the overall scheme of things. Think again. The Lord says of you in essence that you're a most important person. 
that you have a most important position in this world. That you, you who truly know the Savior, you who truly love the Savior, that you have a function in this world no one else can fill. Ye are the light of the world. What a statement. What a message we have here to consider. And then think of the kind of people the Lord describes in this fifth chapter of Matthew's whom he describes as the light of the world. He's not talking about the world's movers and shakers. He's not talking about the high and mighty. He's not talking about the proud and powerful. He's saying that those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who become meek, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, ye are the light of the world. Is it any wonder that those whom the Jewish leaders would eventually send to arrest the Lord Jesus Christ, we call them the temple police, is it any wonder that they would come back without him. With this reason, never man spake like this man. The words of philosophers will perish. The greatest thinkers of the world, those words will perish. Let it be a Socrates, they'll perish. Let it be an Aristotle, they'll perish. The words of philosophers will perish. The greatest and most honored thinkers in the world, their words will perish. But he could say something no man could ever say but he. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words shall not pass away. And so may God grant us to hear him and in hearing to believe him and in believing him to receive and act upon his word what we're instructed to do. As we think of these words in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15, we can draw some things very important from these extraordinary words. The world is in spiritual darkness, deep darkness. And the genuine Christian is the only hope of shedding light in it. Think about that. Think about it. The world is in darkness, in spiritual darkness. It's heading to destruction. And the only person who can shed light in it is one who is truly saved by God's grace and a Christian indeed. You see, there's a big problem with the world. It doesn't know where its real problem is. It doesn't know where its real problem comes from. The reason behind its continuing woes and total inability to correct them. We have the wars that end all wars until the next war comes. We have destruction in families, divisions in nations. So the world is always looking for solutions. It's always for something or some things to control the deep problems that plague mankind. So where does it look for it? What does it devise it thinks will bring about the great problem solving for this world? 
Well, it thinks education will solve that. Or it thinks the right politicians will solve that. It's always ready to lay the blame for the world's disorder anywhere other than where it really is. It doesn't know the problem. You can't correct a problem unless you know where it comes from. Some think that the real problem in the world is the lack of knowledge. Well, then education will solve the problem. The modern educational system comes with the idea or the philosophy that men are merely biological creatures teaching a doctrine that's devastating that creation created itself. Teaching that man is a mere animal. And so he can make his own rules. And that knowledge will solve the world's problems if it just knows more about the biological or mechanical or scientific things that need to be known about the world. So the emphasis is placed on one aspect of knowledge. The knowledge of things, outward things, considering man as a biological creature controlled by his environment. That's the way of the world. Get the environment straightened out, man will be straightened out. This does nothing to solve the problem of how to avoid evil. It doesn't teach anything of how to overcome the self-indulgent desires of things that are base, lustful, unlawful. It doesn't solve the problem of the divisions and the hatreds among men. You and I were born into this world haters. Do you believe that? We were born haters. We hated hated those when we didn't get our way with them. You see it in children. I heard one preacher say most people don't know much about sin if they've never had children. You see it immediately in children. We came into this world haters. Even the Apostle Paul says in Titus 3, verse 3, we ourselves sometimes were foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. I remember the first day in the second grade. I got into it with a little boy. Fist to fist. Many ways it manifests itself. In spite of education. In spite of better paying jobs. In spite of the acquisition of things. This does nothing to remove the impure. The unchaste. The hateful hearts of men. And it leaves the world in its spiritual darkness. It cannot remove it. It adds to it. Some think that the solution to the world's problems lies in better political leaders. And yeah, I hope for better political leaders, but they're not the answer. Shivers go up my spine when I read of one I voted for that's going to save America. No. There's only one who can have mercy upon this nation. So that if you just have the right people in office who can better the economy and keep us out of war, 
That's all it needed. That doesn't solve the problem. Human government is just that. It's in the hands of sinful men. And the majority of those sinful men have their own advantage as to what they go after. This solemn verse in Daniel 4.17, The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. This eventually leads to the corrupting of the best political system. It leads to the weakening of nations. We're shown that in Scripture in Nebuchadnezzar's image. Nebuchadnezzar, of course, the powerful monarch of Babylon, the first major world empire, as in Daniel's day. He's given a vision of the empires to come and the downgrade of the human race, beginning with gold, but it ends with feet of clay. That also happens in nations. Our own nation, as it moves further and further from its founding principles, we live in a nation. School children aren't even taught it. That was founded upon Judeo-Christian principles. It was. Ethics that were biblically drawn becoming more and more corrupt weaker and weaker insane things now rule in many places it's incredible where we are and we know the reason why there's no light darkness it's spiritually dark it's no longer as Isaiah 820 to the law and to the testimony if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. As the truth of God, his supreme rule, he alone, the moral governor of the universe. And the knowledge of the nature of man as a sinful and fallen creature is diminished. The darkness increases. And we are in an incredibly dark day. What an incredible statement. That the true Christian. That the one who is in the kingdom of Christ. That the one who is under the rule of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That this one is the light of the world. No matter their humble condition in the world. No matter poor or rich, high or low. The genuine Christian is the light of the world. What a statement. If you, you who truly know and love the Savior, there's only one way you and I show our love for the Savior, and that's by keeping his commandments. No one could say that but God. Moses could say, keep the commandments, but he couldn't say, keep my commandments. But he who is God incarnate, Lord of lords, he who came into this world to redeem a people unto himself. He can command, keep my commandments. And the only way you and I show our love is by doing so. By keeping his commandments. So if you who truly know and love the Savior, 
you who truly confess him as your only Lord, think of your condition, your place in the world. Is it of little worth? No, it's not. Think again. Consider the responsibility the Lord of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, has placed upon you. No matter how great or small the place of your influence may be in this world, wherever God in his providence has placed you, your greatest importance lies in being his light in a dark world where all around you is nothing but utter spiritual darkness. You're the light. Ye are the light of the world. Your influence is there some way. Simply by living by faith and obedience to the Lord, simply by being unashamed of him, not ashamed to stand apart from the vileness and emptiness of the world, belonging to him, separated unto him, if you are indeed a Christian, as a Christian, you're to be like salt. Salt is a preservative. Pressed into meat, etc. What has happened to the influence of so called Christianity in our nation? Every time we turn around, we hear of fraud, immorality, taking place in those who are supposed to be Christians. Compromise. With the most perverted thinking there is. Losing the truth of God and his word. Began substituting the human mind for divine revelation. And the salt loses its savor. You're to be like salt, wherever you are. Preserving what would otherwise completely corrupt. And then, only as you live unto Christ in truth, only as you're a Christian in the home place, only as you're a Christian in the workplace, the educational place, the recreational place, not just at church, day by day. You're to seek every opportunity to be a light in the world, to be a witness unto Christ. And that witness is to be qualified by your life. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And when by God's grace you trust him, you belong to him, and you're under the work and the control of his Holy Spirit, you are a witness. Ye shall be witnesses, the Lord said unto me. Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him also will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Peter writes to people who were suffering and yet joyful. He was writing to a people whose heart was not in this world. It was in God's eternal reality in Christ an inheritance that was laid up for them 
And in everything they suffered, they realized they were under the providence of God and it's just momentary and God is preparing them for something great. And they endured, many of them by being put to death. The world wondered. They were light. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. How many today, they look like the world, they act like the world. They do the same things the world does. They have no difference. They listen to the filthy jokes of the world. They're enamored by the media in the world. There's no difference. Except they show up in church. <coughs> Solemn. Even those who profess to be Christian. But live like the world. Because profession does not always mean possession. They need the light as well. They need the light of those who are truly in Christ and are set apart to him and not merely religious. Be like that city that's set on the hill. That city that cannot be hidden like the candle or the light that's put on a stand in order to give light to the whole room. But we must apply something about light. There's something incredibly important about light. Light is not there to draw attention to itself. It's there to illumine. It's there to illumine the darkness. It's there to reveal what is otherwise hidden. Never to draw attention to self. The ordinary Christian is the only light of the world by relationship to him who said, I am the light of the world. Incredible. Important. This point. The ordinary Christian is only the light of the world by being in relationship to him who said, I am the light of the world. The purpose of light, the purpose of light is singular. It's to lighten. It's to illumine. It's to shine. Without the light, what is there? What's the opposite of light? Darkness. Without light, there is only darkness. In order to give light, you have to be light. You have to be light if you're going to give light. And the Lord is talking about the light that illumines the darkened minds and hearts of men to the knowledge of God. Only those who've been in the darkness and have been brought out of that darkness and into the light who are given the very light of eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ, only those who possess the most important knowledge in all the world are called then to be the light of the world.
We read in Ephesians 5 this morning, in our reading in verse 8, you were sometimes darkness. Well, we know that. The believer knows that. No one has come to know sin or hate sin more than the one who has been saved by God's grace and truth. The one who has been brought to see themselves as indeed a poor, needy sinner, defiled, undone, lost. No one but those who have been brought to realize that and recognize that can really know what the light is. Ye were sometimes darkness. No one grieves or mourns over sin more than the believer. The thing hated most by those in whom God dwells is sin. The most painful memories that the believer has is of past sins. We know what the darkness is. Ye were sometimes darkness. The apostle writes to the Corinthians. They were in moral debauchery. It was incredible what they went into. Adulterers, fornicators, liars, cheats. But you're washed. But you're sanctified. But you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The mercy of God to them was incredible, but the mercy of God to me is incredible. The mercy of God to you who've been brought to Christ in truth is incredible. This is where it has to begin. If anything is going to ever change, you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light? In the Lord. As we read in Ephesians 5.8. We were under the power of darkness. We were in the kingdom of darkness. Everything we did was brought out of darkness. We were self-centered. We cared for ourselves. We were ready to strike out at anything that we thought against us. But delivered now from the power of darkness. And translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. That's the only one who will be light in the world. The Christian. The true Christian. The everyday Christian. All who are truly in Christ. God lives in them. God lives in them. And them only. And they... Or more particularly, ye, you, wherever God places you, whatever position he has put you in, you're to consider yourself the only light, you, the only light who can illumine others to the knowledge of God. That's quite a responsibility, isn't it? In this respect, however high or low you may be in the world's social order, you're yet the Lord's VIP. You're an important person. You're the only link between Him and those with whom you converse. And you think about that. You're the only link between him and those you converse with. And if you hide your light, if you put it under the bushel of fear of rejection, or you put it under the bushel of the fear of reproach, or the bushel of the fear of loss, if you do not keep your wick trimmed and burning, your life carefully lived Godward, chaste and clean. Then of what good 
in the world would your Christianity be? Good for nothing. The only way you can be a light to others is by being light in the world. And that the only way you can be light in the world is as if his light is your light. His life, your life. If your life is patterned after him who loved you, who redeemed you from sin, who called you by his gospel and made you to belong to him and him alone. The closer you walk with him, who is the essential light of the world, the more will his light be your light. And in this way alone will you become the light of the world. It will be a light that first exposes the darkness and the things belonging to it. And that's not easy. For as we heard in Sunday school this morning, the world doesn't love the light of God. Matter of fact, the darkness hates the light, doesn't it? Isn't that what our Lord said? The darkness hates the light, doesn't want the light, it will approach you. Don't let that stop you. And if you are the Lord's light where you are, as the Apostle Paul taught, quote, whatsoever doth make manifest is light, it will show up the darkness. It will be distinct and different from those who live in the realm of darkness. And the truth is, the darkness does not want the light to be revealed. It hates the light. Men don't want their deeds revealed. Every one of you, I can say it with full conviction, Every one of you have things that you know about in your life that you would be ashamed for somebody to find out. It would totally humiliate you if it was exposed. Solemn thing to say. But it connects with your conscience, doesn't it? And mine. We were born in sin. We didn't come into this world with a blank slate. We were born sinners. Sin written all over us. We manifested itself from the beginning. And your earliest childhood memories will dictate that to you, if you're honest. And make you marvel why in the world God would have mercy upon such a one. I can't comprehend the greatness of God's mercy. What mercy. That God would send his son to take your place. To take your sins unto himself. Yeah, I know he did that. But dwell with the sin of Adam. We came into this world with the reason for our death. But he took your sins, plural, as well. The worst thing you can think about, the worst thing you can remember, he died for that sin. You don't bear it anymore. We love to sing that sin, uh, that hymn, my sin, not in part, but in whole. Is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. You have been brought as a sinner to look away from yourself and look only to Christ crucified and trust in Him only. Those sins have been put away. Isn't that incredible? I can't get over that. I have not gotten over that to this day. If you bear them to eternity, it's horrendous what justice will bring about. But you and I who are saved, my, my, how we should praise and never cease praising God. I was dead in sin. He made alive. I was lost. He found. I was going astray. He came as the great shepherd and put me on his shoulder and brought me back to the fold. You're the only one that is light in the world. Ye are the light of the world. And the only way you can be light is if He is your light and your life. The closer you walk with Him, who is the essential light, the more will his light be your light. And it's going to expose the darkness that's in the world. The world is in a state of spiritual darkness or hiding, if you please. And yet the Lord has put you in the position of being responsible to be the light that shines in it that causes the darkness to be exposed with all the knowledge that the world has supposedly amassed in the last thousand years. Man is still in a state of spiritual darkness. He still loves the darkness rather than the light. The trouble is not in the intellect. The trouble is not in the knowledge or the uh, lack of knowledge of how things work. The trouble is in the heart. And you cannot educate one out of sin and evil practices. The sinner is controlled by the sin nature. You who have been brought out of darkness into the light of his marvelous light, you alone possess and are the only light that can show the way to the light of life. You only. Well, there's one thing about newness of life in Christ. One thing about those who possess a genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for them and rose again. Those who have a genuine life in Christ. There's something about them. It will without fail manifest itself. It will manifest itself. It is the very nature of light to do what? To shine. Light shines. There's no shining of the light unless there's light there. If there's light there, it shines out. If the sun didn't shine out, we wouldn't exist. If light 
didn't shine out, we wouldn't know how to walk in the dark places. It is the property of light to shine, to illumine. And it's certain that if you truly believe something, you're completely convicted that it's true. You have a deep-seated conviction, this is true. This is God's truth. This is the Word of God. You know what you'll become? You'll become an advocate for what you believe. For what you're really convicted of. And as the Apostle Paul drew from the Psalms in 2 Corinthians 4.13. I believed. Therefore have I spoken. We also believe. And therefore speak. Let your life speak. Let your life speak first. And then living a godless life that's different from the world. Let your lips tell why. Rightly has it been said. That light not only exposes the darkness. It shows and provokes and provides the only way out of darkness. If your life displays a light that is so different from the world. So different from what the world seeks as its highest joys. So different in the way you relate to trouble. And to people. That seeks the highest joys, the most desirable things from Christ, from his word, from his church, from his people. People are going to wonder why you're different. They won't like it, but they'll wonder why. Then opens the opportunity to tell them of your faith in the very Son of God. That he came into this world to save sinners and that's what you were. That he came to seek and to save that which was lost and that's where you were. That he bids come unto me. All ye that are labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. That his salvation is a gift never earned. But freely given. That he will turn none away who truly, trusting him and him alone, come to him. Then you can tell the meaning of the cross. Why the cross was necessary. Why the Son of God had to die. Pointing to him who is the way. And the one who alone can remove sin. And open up the way to God. Ye. Are the light. Of the world. What an incredible thing. From the lips of the one who is the essential light of the world. May he by his spirit apply this message to you and to me. And that for his glory.